I'd like to change direction now and turn to the issue of the relationship of psychoanalysis to wider cultural forms. To what extent do you think psychoanalysis, as applied to organisations, has a strong ethical dimension? I mean, many analysts have talked about the relationship between healthier or less healthy forms of relating in organisations. I just wonder whether you felt that psychoanalysis does have this strong ethical dimension. Ian? I think it's got a strong ethical dimension, whatever you're working with, individuals or organisations or groups. You could learn a lot about some organisations. I think particularly Kleinian concepts are useful in that, like notions of projection, the way in which um, problems get projected around the organisation. It's extremely useful. Whether you can then go on to prescribe a healthy organisation is another matter. I suspect the truth is but human beings do this to each other. You could maybe look for organisational means to limit it but not actually change it fundamentally. Could I add that I think a psychoanalytic approach is to do with trying to understand and not to judge and that this is extremely mm. important and that it does include an interest in human beings' ethical relation to themselves which they have whatever mode that takes so it's an interest in morality rather than a prescription of forms of morality i think in the background of psychoanalysis there is an ethic which is different an emphasis on the importance of actually thinking about what one does and of knowing one's own self do you think it's possible to say that the kinds of psychic problems that individuals have can be typical of their historical time or change over time margaret I think there are some specifics. I mean, obviously, it's been very much commented on that Freud started with hysteria. Here we are 100 years on, and hysteria is much less the name of the game at this point. And in many of the changes in forms of life, very different sorts of families now from the kind of families that were typical when I was growing up, many single-parent families, many different kinds of combinations, and, of course, all the time, new things which are going to create new forms of experience. What does a surrogate baby make of who their parents are? So I don't doubt that we will have to go on learning more all the time. So in that sense, indeed, historically specific. But at the same time, I would feel that there are core factors which will have some continuity. That's an interesting point you make about hysteria. I just wonder whether Ian had something to add. I've been impressed by Elaine Shawalter's book. She calls it Histories, where she argues that there are a series of social scripts which enable people to explain their miseries without actually looking at those miseries psychologically. It's a way of avoiding a sort of psychological understanding of oneself. So she moves through from things like ME through to alien abduction, arguing that normal human misery can be expressed in all sorts of different ways and there are ways which catch on collectively especially I would add as a sociologist in a society which has been highly individualised so we no, no longer have a sort of collective groups around us which will sort of root us in reality and we're, we're left searching individually and separately for explanations of our miseries and I, I think she gets hold of that process very well. I suppose Giddens as well comes out of that way of thinking about individuals as flexible, protean. What's your view on Giddens? I think Giddens was far too simplistic, actually. I see him as producing a sort of ideology for late capitalism, basically. I mean, he says that this sort of personality is suited to what he calls late modernity, and I think he's right, but it's not necessarily a good form, way of living, a good form of being a good way of being a person. It seems to me that the Giddens individual loses any sense of morality, of base, of depth, and just becomes a surface um, 
free market trader looking for satisfaction, as much satisfaction as we could get as cheaply as possible. With an avoidance of the experience of anxiety That's and right. relationship, yeah, yeah, which exactly. are fundamental to, I, I think, a richer yeah, form of right. human life. Yeah. Well, that brings us to our final question, really, which is linked very much to what we've just been discussing. Freud argued very much that the aim of psychoanalysis was to turn hysterical misery into common unhappiness. What do you think about that? Modern developments of psychoanalysis have also alerted us to the developmental potential which Freud was tapping through the ideas that he introduced us to and I think make us more aware of the endless potential for revisiting things, the sort of point that Ian was making earlier, in fact, that there's childhood, there's adolescence, there's finding a partner, there's having children, there's growing old, and so on and so on. And these are all more opportunities to address things which are quite fundamental to our existence and to do it differently the next time round. Those are very important points, I think, because they do very much go to the heart of the values of psychoanalysis itself. Thank you very much, Margaret and Ian, for a most stimulating discussion. Thank you. From the Open University. For more information, go to www.open.ac.uk forward slash use.